8.42. LA County's official count this year found there are now more than 36,000 homeless people living in the city of Los Angeles, a 16% rise from the previous year. More than 11,000 people are living in tents and makeshift shelters. 80% of the homeless seniors are completely unsheltered. Let's catch up with Los Angeles Times reporter Thomas Kerwin, who's been keenly following this crisis, has been very much literally on the scene, which is fitting for the title of this segment, On the Scene. Thank you very much for being with us today, Mr. Kerwin. Of course, Alex. Glad to talk to you today. Indeed. And, I mean, if I look back at the recent record of the LA Times... um, There have been various homelessness reports recently, including after 18 months reporting on the homeless crisis. This is what I learned. Can you you, uh, tell us, for those who haven't checked out that article, what you actually did for those 18 months, how close you were to the streets? Yes, it's a good question. I appreciate your interest. Um, For 18 months, um, I followed a homeless encampment that was just south of downtown Los Angeles just east of the University of Southern California. And I met the residents who were living in this encampment, some eight or so individuals. I was interested in them mostly because the city had identified this encampment for moving them into housing. It was quite a remarkable uh, transition these individuals were about to experience. In the course of probably around eight months or so, they went from living in tents and living on the sidewalks to living in brand-new apartments just about seven miles away from where their encampment was located. I was interested in learning not only what life on the street was like for them, how they got by, how they made ends meet on the street, but also, most significantly, finding out what it was like for them to finally get into housing. We often look at homelessness and think it's a housing crisis alone. This was an opportunity to see what it means for homeless people to get the apartments, to get the units to live in, and what that transition in their lives and in their lifestyle means. You know, there is, of course, this universal problem of homelessness uh, around the world. I mean, here in Korea, I'm sure many of us listening right now will be aware of certain spots where homeless people gather and often frankly that will be associated with very visible problems like alcoholism and and it kind of accentuates this idea of other as well because the behavior is so different from what ordinary people would allow themselves to do on a daily basis at least in daylight hours um and i'm just curious how far you explored the question of how and why these people became homeless in the first place yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, and it's something that I was most interested in trying to understand. When you're living or when you're visiting with people that are homeless on the street, you come up against a lot of the symptoms of what their life is like on the street. These are people who do have um, substance abuse issues. These are people with mental health issues. These are people with really difficult past lives. Um, I think, collectively speaking, what struck me was how most of the people that I met on the street had a large degree of trauma in their lives, whether it was from a broken family at a very early age, whether it was from parents who had their own uh, issues with addiction or mental illness, or whether it was through uh, uh, incarceration in one form or another from an early age. It's from that trauma that I believe these individuals had a really difficult time putting one foot in front of another. And it's that trauma that I believe led them to their life on the street. 
was it intimidating for you at times being surrounded by what can sometimes look like an aggressive atmosphere? The encampment that we found, and I include my photographer, Francine Orr, who took some remarkable photographs um, in the course of these 18 months, this encampment was so welcoming and so friendly to us that we were, I think, at least I was, a little taken aback. I had anticipated being intimidated. I had thought that I'd be viewed as being sort of an outsider who had parachuted in to do this reporting. But it didn't take long for us to get to know the people of this encampment from Big Mama to Top Shelf, as their street names were, to Horace and to Keith and to Dwayne, who were remarkably friendly and welcoming. They wanted us to tell their story. They wanted the city to know what homelessness meant and what it was like for them to live on the street, and they welcomed us into their lives. That's wonderful to hear. But would you have any advice to anyone i mean this is more of an aside i want to come back to the situation in la but i'm just very curious because people might be hearing this thinking they'd love to contribute in some way they'd love to help those who are suffering through homelessness but they might just feel intimidated to approach people in that situation they might see them muttering to themselves they might see them shouting at no one or nothing in particular what would your advice be to someone in that position Well, I think we all have to approach the situation, personally speaking, with our own sort of sensibilities and our own sense of safety and and well-being. Um, You have to look out for yourself uh, primarily. But But I'd like to sort of advise your listeners to realize that homelessness isn't a monoculture. And that was one of the lessons that I picked up from doing this story. Not all people who are homelessness are alike. They are as individual as everyone else is in our society. And each of them bring to their uh, bring to the street and to their interactions with one another degrees of friendliness or hostility, much as you'd find in the world at large. Indeed. Um, another couple of issues that I wanted to address with you um, with these broader strokes, the, the mental health side, it's it's an experience that I've had in, in reporting on homelessness in the past that in many cases when women end up on the street, there's this gender difference and, and there are often um, even more acute mental health and, and abuse issues associated there. Despite you saying that there's not a general story that you can apply to everyone, did you notice a gender divide? Of the individuals that I spoke to in that Broadway place encampment, they were approximately divided between, equally divided between men and women. Um, there's no question that women on the street are far more vulnerable to uh, life on the street. Um, we, we heard stories, for instance, of one woman not in this particular encampment whose tent had been burned down on account of her not wanting to, uh, how do I say this, um, um, uh, address the needs of the various men in her encampment. Um, so she was she was punished in retaliation for her not willing her unwillingness to go along with their desires. Um, so certainly there is that vulnerability that they experience. Of our uh, story, we focused on, as I say, eight individuals, three of whom were pretty close friends, three women, and I have to think that their solidarity kept them safe and and provided them with a little bit of security on the street. The experience the experience that you had in in seeing the way their lives were presumably transformed by the opportunity to gain shelter, uh, meaningful shelter. Um, 
did it have a profound impact on them as individuals and does it kind of influence the way you view solutions to homelessness? It undoubtedly has had an, a remarkable impact on their lives. These people went from living on the sidewalk in tents, um, surrounded by rats, crime, traffic accidents, um, sudden violence, to suddenly living in apartments where you have four walls, a ceiling, and a floor. You have a door that you can lock. Suddenly they're in an environment that's much more secure and much more um, safe for them. Um, it was a remarkable transition to watch. I, I suppose it would be akin to taking someone um, of, a, of a middle-class background such as myself and suddenly giving me a, a large palatial home. Um, it requires an enormous adjustment, and that's what these individuals had to face, is the adjustment that goes from living on the street to living into their own units. Um, it is a challenge, no question, and, and it is interesting in the course of our reporting to find the number of them brought some of the issues of living on the street into their apartments to various uh, effects um, that were often sort of detrimental to their maintaining their housing and, and being able to stay housed. LA's homeless issue, is it the culmination of people coming from all over the country, maybe even all over the world, to what is perceived as being a, a, a nice climate, uh, a pleasant place geographically to live uh, or are there other particular factors that we need to be aware of that, that contribute to it? You know, in the course of doing my work, I ask that question an awful lot because I think that's what an awful lot of people feel that Los Angeles is a destination for homelessness. I think the problem in Los Angeles is exacerbated by the fact that Los Angeles is a city that has been developed under a suburban model. In New York City, you've got more, more numbers of homelessness but those individuals have shelters and places to go to live. Los Angeles uh, was developed under the illusion that it could be a, a, an endless suburb, single-family homes, uh, green patches of lawn stretching out as far as the horizon. It's that sort of a model of an urban city that, that is not especially um, conducive to addressing the needs of homelessness. So the problem becomes just a little more um, exacerbated by the type of city that Los Angeles is. Despite hearing everything you've said about the the, the diverse nature of, of homeless people and, and societies, to those who would suggest, well, there's still this overwhelming problem like substance abuse, and if you just provide housing or provide handouts, it's going to be abused. Based on your experience, what, what would you say if you were asked to counter that? Well, I would say that, that given the amount of suffering that I saw among people living on the street and living in tents and trying to get by day to day under the most difficult of circumstances, uh, I think it's often, it's, I think it's well worth all of our efforts to see that people like these give a, be given a chance in housing. I'm not going to say that it's going to succeed for everyone. We found one individual in our story that, that most sadly and, and tragically lost her apartment. She was evicted. She's now back on the street after having lived in an apartment for about six months or so. Not everybody's going to succeed in housing, but it certainly is worth our efforts to try. I'd also like to just ask you um, a final, again, quite general question about this being a, 
an area of discrimination that still hasn't been fully challenged. And but but things like what you're doing, your your work, it seems to challenge it. In other words, uh, racism is obviously a taboo, and and homophobia is generally a taboo. But criticizing homeless people hasn't really been stigmatized in the same way. Is this something that's changing? Do you think, or do we need a lot more efforts in that regard? Well, I I believe that we need to be as compassionate as we possibly can towards individuals who are homeless and living on the street, and I think we always need to redouble our efforts towards that compassion. Uh, the voters of Los Angeles two to three years or so ago passed very significant measures, um, a proposition and a measure that would provide funding for homeless and homeless services and housing. Um, very generous of the taxpayers of the city and the county to uh, provide this, these funds to help the homeless. Um, of late, I think I found that there's a degree of compassion fatigue that's that's out there at this point in time. I think people are frustrated, and I pe- think people are wishing they could see the solution to homelessness um, become more available, and and that there would be a quicker fix to this problem. Um, I think it's going to take time, it's going to take our patience, and it's going to take our continued, um, renewed compassion to allow us to address this issue in the long run. Thank you very much, Thomas Kerwin, reporter for the LA Times, for being on the scene, very literally. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate the chance to share this with your listeners. Again, thank you.